Cade Mila Falta. Welcome to the Letter from Ireland show, where we travel in the footsteps of your Irish ancestors, visiting their homelands and telling their stories as they put down roots in so many places around the world. Thanks for listening to the show. To support the podcast and letter, get lots of member-only features and follow Mike and Karina behind the scenes, go to aletterfromireland.com forward slash plus. That's aletterfromireland.com forward slash plus. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, everybody. This is Mike Collins, and you're very welcome to the Letter from Ireland show. Today's episode is called Irish Beer, Whiskey, and the Temperance Movement, just to balance things off there a little at the end. So we're going to talk through two different letters today and some very, very nice music. Uh, we're going to start off with the first letter. And the first letter is more or less ranges in time from the time of the Vikings and the discovery of the, the founding, I should say, of the city of Cork. And just how important a clean water source was at that time to establish that particular city. And over time, that particular water source, that clean well, got taken over by the Franciscans who started promptly to brew beer from that particular clean water. And in fact, if you travel to that part of Cork today, you'll still find a craft brewery lying on top of one of the original wells from which the beer was actually brewed. So we tried to do a little bit of social commentary along the way as well. And that kind of leads us to our second letter, because by the time of the early 1800s, in Ireland and indeed in many parts of the world, the population was beginning to explode, especially so in the countryside of Ireland. And um, I think alongside that, due to kind of a couple of very, very specific uh, taxes, for example, the uh, availability of distilled alcohol became available in many, many parts of Ireland through illegal stills, and a drunkenness became a notable problem. Now, again, I'll say that wasn't just in Ireland, but in many, many countries of the world, because from that sprung many of the temperance movements that were very popular at the time. So in the second letter, we're going to look at the emergence of one particular individual and his part in that temperance movement, which actually amounted to being one of Ireland's first mass movements. A very interesting story from my point of view. I think it establishes a lot of social context as to what was happening at the time of your Irish ancestors, the time they were in Ireland. Now, along the way, we're going to have three pieces of music. So uh, I thought it'd be actually very interesting to choose three specific drinking songs, actually. We're going to start off with um, one called The Rare Old Mountain Dew, all about uh, distilling in those illegal stills, sung by the Clancy's. We'll then move on to Johnny Jump Up, which talks a little bit about, again, the prevalence of alcohol in social occasions, and indeed including wakes, for example, in Ireland. And we're going to finish off with another song from the Clancy's called, believe it or not, Whiskey, You're the Devil. But we are going to start with those Clancy's and here we go with the rare Old Mountain Dew. <whistles> Hide the little dum, 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 the little
grasses grow and waters flow in a free and easy way. But give me enough of the fine old stuff that's made near Galway Bay. And please smell all from Donegal, Sligo and Leitrim too. We'll give them the slip and we'll take a sip of the real old mountain dew. Hi, diddly dum diddly doodle dum diddly doo ray diddly day day. Hi, diddly dum diddly doodle dum diddly doo ray diddly day day. At the foot of the hill there's a neat little still where the smoke curls up to the sky. By the smoke and the smell you can plainly tell that there's butchine brewing nearby. It fills the air with odour rare and betwixt both me and you. When home you stroll, you can take a bowl or a bucket of the mountain dew. Hi, Now learned men who use the pen have wrote your praises high. The sweet bajine from Ireland green, distilled from wheat and rye. Throw away your pills, it'll cure all ills, a pagan, a Christian or Jew. Take up your coat and grease your throat with the real old mountain dew. Hi, diddly 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 I'm enjoying a glass of water from the well as I chat with you today. And speaking of water from the well, we're going to dive a little deeper into the subject of well water, encompassing the brewing of beer in Ireland and a little urban history along the way. Now, how does that sound? So, the Vikings arrive in Ireland. Cork is the closest city to where I live in Ireland, and like many other Irish cities, it was built at a place where a river meets the sea, the River Lee. Also, like many other Irish cities, it was founded, or at least developed, by the Vikings. When the Vikings visited Ireland for the first time, Our island was a land of Gaelic tribes who lived in clusters in the open countryside or sometimes close to a monastic settlement. The Vikings used the rivers to penetrate deeper into our island and raid many of those early monasteries and churches, returning back to Scandinavia for the winter. Over time, they started to shelter over winter at the mouth of our rivers, building wooden shelters around a clean spring source and near to some land where they could grow their own food. They traded with the local Irish and eventually intermarried. The early towns of Cork, Limerick, Dublin, Wexford, Waterford and Wicklow developed in this way and became known in the history books as Hiberno-Norse settlements. The Vikings travelled a short distance up the River Lee from the coast so they could harbour safely, have access to clean water and arable land and a safe mooring for their boats. And that was how the city of Cork was established. Holy Wells, Monks and the Brewing of Beer We also have a great tradition of holy wells in Ireland. The countryside is dotted with all sorts of wells and many are associated with a particular saint. These wells were said to offer curative powers for those who drink the water or rub it on a particular part of their anatomy. 
Of course, many of these wells were located in what became our towns and cities, towns and cities that were especially affected by disease and plague. You can imagine how the reputation of the clean sources of fresh water was enhanced in those times of sickness and plague. It was noticed that if you drank water from a particular well, you stayed healthy or recovered, but if you drank from a different source like a stream, you often died. Because they were mostly associated with a particular saint, the religious orders often established themselves near to these wells, especially in areas of larger population such as our towns and cities. By the 1200s, religious orders like the Franciscans and Cistercians had established friaries in many of the towns and cities of Europe, including the island of Ireland. These orders had to sustain themselves, welcome visitors and make some money to survive. So the brewing of beer from the clean waters of their wells became a major source of safe sustenance and profit. It was a bonus too that well water was said to have healing powers, but in any case, you could trust beer made from clean well water instead of everyday drinking water sources. By the time the 1500s came around, many European monasteries were being dissolved and the brewing of beer moved more towards secular commercial companies. But they still used the same clean water sources enjoyed by those earlier religious communities. Now, if you ever have a chance to visit Cork City in the future, travel upriver just a little from the harbour and you'll come to a place in the old city where the Vikings would have established their original settlement near a clean source of water. One of these sources was later used by the Franciscan Order, who established a friary just at that spot. The very place eventually became, nowadays, a craft brewery, appropriately called the Franciscan Well. Why don't you walk into the brewery, go to the courtyard at the back, and you'll discover a closed-in well that would have been located in the middle of the original friary, which would have been used for drinking water and, of course, brewing beer. If you go back before that, and it was likely to have been then a source of water for our visiting Viking friends. When you get there to the Franciscan well, have a pint of beer and realise that you are now really drinking from the source. Give me a call and I might nip down there to join you for one myself. Together we'll say that age-old Irish toast, Slanta, to your health, Slanta. I'll tell you a story that happened to me One day as I went down to Yall by the sea The sun, it was bright and the day, it was warm Says I, a quiet pint wouldn't do me no harm I went in and I called for a bottle of stout Says the barman, I'm sorry, all the beer is sold out Try whiskey or paddy, ten years in the wood Says I, I'll try cider, I've heard that it's good Oh, never, oh, never, oh, never again If I live to a hundred or a hundred and ten For I fell to the ground and I couldn't get up After drinking a quart of the Johnny Jump Up 
After Lauren the third, I made straight for the yard Where I bumped into Brophy, the big civic guard Come here to me, boy, don't you know I'm the law? I upped with me fist and I shattered his jaw He fell to the ground with his knees doubled up but it wasn't I hit him, twas Johnny Jump Up. The next thing I met down in Yall by the say was a cripple on crutches and says he to me, I'm afraid in me life I'll be hit by a car. Won't you help me across to the rail women's bar? After drinking a quart of that cider so sweet, he threw down his crutches and danced on his feet. I went up the lee road, a friend for to see. In the call at the madhouse in Cork by the Lee But when I got up there, the truth I do tell They had the poor bugger locked up in the cell Said the guard testing him, say these words if you can Around the rugged rock, the ragged rascal ran Tell them I'm not crazy, tell them I'm not mad It was only a sup of a bottle I had a man died in the union by the name of MacNab. They washed him and laid him outside on the slab. And after O'Connor his measurements did take, his wife took him home to a bloody fine wake. About twelve o'clock and the beer it was high When the corpse he sat up and says he with a sigh I can't get to heaven, they won't let me up Till I bring him a quart of the Johnny Jump up. Oh, never, oh, never, oh, never again If I live to a hundred or a hundred and ten For I fell to the ground and I couldn't get up After drinking a quart of the Johnny Jump Up Christy Moore there with Johnny Jump Up which was the nickname for that illegally brewed cider of unknown strength that was probably found in many, many places. In fact, he mentions Yall there, which is there in the east side of County Cork, and a place you'd expect to find many, many apple trees all the way up there into the south of Tipperary if you head north. In fact, around the town of Clonmel, where in fact we get Bulmer's uh, cider manufactured and grown, of course, from the apples, even to today. So Johnny Jump Up there. And we're going to move on now from, I suppose, excess intake of alcohol to an awareness that maybe there's a little too much excess and how that triggered a very particular movement there in the early part of the 1800s, not just in Ireland, but in many parts of the world. But in Ireland, there were very, very particular challenges to deal with. And uh, in fact, one man came to be associated with the temperance movement more than anybody. So over to Karina with more on the story. Our subject for today's letter is the effect of alcohol and the abstention from alcohol in Ireland back in the early to mid-1800s. In this letter too, we learn of a man who led one of the first mass movements in Ireland. Maybe one of your Irish ancestors was at one of his rallies. Have a listen and let's learn some more. When I was young, when I hopped on the number seven bus to get to the middle of Cork City, Clearly written on the front of that bus was the word statue, meaning you were travelling in the right direction towards the centre of the city. The statue in question was the final stop for most buses before they turned around and headed back to the suburbs. In fact, the statue in question did not even need a name. 
It marked the centre of the city and was the statue of a priest called Theobald Matthew, who lived back in the early 1800s. But more about this Capuchin priest deserving his own statue later on. But first, let's travel back to Ireland of the early 1800s. In the 1600s, the population of Ireland was estimated at about 1 million. By the 1700s, it had doubled to just over 2 million. By 1821, the time of the first official census, the population had exploded to 6.8 million. And it went on to grow to 8.18 million by 1841, before on Gorta or the Great Famine hit us, triggering a decline in the population back down to 3.5 million up until 1951. To put these numbers into context, the population on this island today has only recently returned to the 1821 level of 7 million people. Today, the majority of the Irish population live in towns and in cities, In 1821, it was the other way around. The majority of people lived on minuscule farms dotting our countryside and islands. These people lived a short and difficult life. They welcomed any means to forget the daily grind, even if just for a brief time. Alcohol, mostly in the form of spirits, provided a welcome break from the tough life of many people of the time, and this was not just in Ireland, but across much of the world. However, alongside this growing alcohol consumption and increasing population came increasing violence both inside and outside the home, and by the early 1800s, Ireland was awash with alcohol, Duty, which had previously increased on imported spirits, led the people to the building of illegal stills across much of rural Ireland. This in turn led to easy access to homemade spirits and brew. The effects of this increased alcohol consumption was a worry to many different groups in our society at the time. It was a problem for law and order perspective. Farms and households were becoming less productive. Women were affected by increased violence in their own homes. And even revolutionaries saw increased alcohol consumption as taking the focus off the job of freeing up Ireland. So by the 1820s, and inspired by American examples, temperance movements were started in Ireland, usually in Protestant communities, to encourage the moderation of alcohol consumption. And this is where we talk about Father Theobald Matthew. You remember the statue of the man I mentioned at the start of the letter? Well, Theobald Matthew was born in 1790 in Thomastown, County Tipperary. His family were comfortably comfortably well off for the time and he received a full education. Eventually he was ordained in 1813 as a Roman Catholic priest in the Capuchin Order. He started his ministry in Kilkenny but after a short time he moved to a friary in Cork City and he appeared to have thrived in Cork almost immediately. 
He learned Irish to hear confessions from the poorest of his parish and he built local schools for both girls and boys and opened a dedicated burial ground for Catholics within the city. He became the local head of the provincial order and he laid the foundation stone for the new Holy Trinity at church, a church that we still use today. Around the time Father Matthew was becoming a leadership figure in Cork City, alcohol temperance societies were gaining in popularity across Ireland. These societies lacked support from Catholics and Matthew was approached to help encourage membership from among his own parishioners. Eventually, the idea of total abstinence from alcohol had become a cornerstone belief of these temperance movements. And in 1838, Matthew became the president of the Cork Total Abstinence Society. Members of the society had to take a pledge to abstain from alcohol and were cleverly given a medal to proudly show off that pledge. So in less than nine months, 150,000 had taken the pledge. The work of the society spread throughout Ireland. By the early 1840s, the movement had probably reached much of the population. It had enrolled over 3 million people to take the pledge. That was effectively half of the adult population of Ireland. There was an improvement in public order. Safety and prosperity on farms was observed during the time. Here are some of the reductions in crime that were attributed to the total abstinence movements. The number of homicides dropped from 247 in 1838 to 105 in 1841. Faction fights, these were large-scale community fights, went from 20 in 1839 to just 8 in 1841. The number committed to jail went from 12,049 in 1839 to 9,875 by 1845. Transportation reduced from 916 to 504 over the same period. However, the movement was losing its impetus by the time of the Great Famine on Gorta Moor in the mid-1840s. In fact, consumption of alcohol grew as the population declined in the most rural parts of Ireland during those terrible times. Father Matthew diverted all of his own energy to supporting famine relief. He called out profiteers and he used his international reputation to fundraise around the world. He suffered a stroke in 1848, but this hardly diminished his energy for long. While he died in 1856 and is now buried in St. Joseph's Cemetery, the cemetery that he himself founded in Cork. There's no doubt that Theobald Matthew inspired respect and affection in many of the people of Ireland. He also inspired them to take steps to control their own lives if even in a minuscule way. So the statue dedicated to Father Matthew was sculpted and placed on a stone pedestal in the centre of Cork City in October of 1864, the same statue that guided the bus of my childhood to the centre of the city. Now, doesn't it seem fitting that a man who dedicated his life to the people around him, with his heart in the right place, 
should now occupy a space at the heart of one of Ireland's most vibrant cities. Well, what do you think? And I wonder if any of your own Irish ancestors took the pledge in Ireland at the time of Father Matthew. Hey, whiskey or the devil, you're laden me astray. Over hills and mountains and to America. Your sweet or stronger days and are your spunky under tape. Oh, whiskey, you'll be darling drunk or sober. Boys, we're on for marching off to Portugal and Spain. Drums are beaten, banners flying, the devil our home will come tonight. Love, fare thee well. With me to the beautiful little Amada, me to the beautiful little Amada. Mere exploiter and laddie, oh, there's whiskey in the jar. Hey, whiskey, you're the devil, you're leading me astray. Over hills and mountains and to America. Your sweeter, stronger days and are your spunkier nutty. Oh, whiskey, you're me darling, drunk or sober. Said the mother, do not wrong me, don't take me daughter from me. For if you do, I will torment you enough. The dead me ghost will haunt you, love, fare thee well. When we shall read the doodle lamada, meet the read the doodle lamada. May I expulse your laddie, oh, there's whiskey in the jar. Hey, whiskey, you're the devil, you're leading me astray. Over hills and mountains and to America. Yes, wait for stronger days and are yes, funky on the Oh, whiskey, old me darling, drunk or sober. No, the French are fighting bowly. Men are dying hot and cowly. Give every man his flask of powder, his firelock on his shoulder. Love, fare thee well. We meet chiddly idle oodle on my da. Meet chiddly idle oodle on my da. Mere exhorter, a laddie, oh, there's whiskey in the jar. Hey, whiskey, or the devil, you're laden me astray. Over hills and mountains and to America. Your sweeter, stronger taste and are your spunky tape. Oh, whiskey, you're me darling, drunk or so. Oh, whiskey or the devil indeed, amongst many, many other things. And there we had the Clancy's with that particular song. Always good to hear them with one or, one or two rousing drinking songs. And I think that gave an appropriate balance to our two letters today as well, which focused on the evolution of, if you like, clean drinking water and its part in the founding of the city in Cork, right up to the beer that might have been brewed from that particular well. And indeed, it's a craft brewery today. And in the second letter there, read by Karina, we talked a lot more about Father Matthew and his part in the temperance movement, that very specific movement uh, linked to the explosion of the Irish population in the early part of the 1800s. And indeed, I think, provided a template for many, many more of the mass movements that followed on from that, both uh, Catholic emancipation, uh, Daniel Connell, and indeed the various uh, land war, land movements as well, that followed that in the later part of the 1800s. So I hope you enjoyed today's show. It was a great pleasure putting it together for you. Really appreciate, appreciate it, rather, having you along. And indeed, I would ask you that if you did enjoy today's show, take a few moments to leave a review 
on the podcast player of your choice or indeed if you're inside a forum at the moment. I really appreciate to hear just what you think of this particular show and maybe indeed if you would recommend it to one or two of your friends and family. So that's it from myself, Mike Collins and from Karina and thank you Karina for reading those letters and until we chat again next week, Slán for now. If you've enjoyed today's Letter from Ireland show, we'd like to invite you to check out our special membership area, The Green Room. You hear us mention it a lot during the show. And you can find full details of The Green Room at letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. Our Green Room is the essential resource for anybody at any stage in researching their Irish heritage. Because it's where we delve into all the good stuff to help you break down those brick walls and really connect the pieces in your Irish ancestry puzzle. In the green room, you get access to online genealogists, extensive research tools, quick win training, as well as member-only access to johngrenham.com and a very supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback and advice. The Green Room is the perfect place to be for anybody starting or continuing their Irish ancestry search. So why don't you come and join us there at aletterfromireland.com forward slash green room. That's it for me, but I'll be back next time with another installment of the Letter from Ireland show. And I really look forward to chatting to you then. Slán Gafol, Karina.